Hello and welcome to The Evaluator, a podcast by the Independent Evaluation Unit, IEU, of the Green Climate Fund, GCF, the world's largest multilateral climate fund. The IEU aims to conduct evaluations that will help make the GCF faster, smarter, and better. We are committed to collecting and producing high-quality evidence to inform policymaking within the GCF and the broader international climate finance arena, leading to better outcomes on the climate action front. The Evaluator brings you compelling insights on cutting-edge topics related to evaluation, climate action, and development, featuring experts from across the globe as well as from within the IEU. Today we bring you a story about the cross-border work being done to promote biodiversity on an intercontinental scale. We'll hear from Doug Watkins of the East Asian-Australasian Flyway Partnership, which I'll call the Flyway Partnership for short. Flyway is the word for the routes that migratory waterbirds travel through every year. There are nine major flyways around the world, and the East Asian-Australasian Flyway is one. It goes through Russia, Alaska, East and Southeast Asia, all the way to Australia and New Zealand, 22 countries in total. Across this flyway, more than 50 million birds rely on wetlands to rest and feed on their journey. They come from 250 different species, including some on the verge of extinction. Here's Doug Watkins explaining how these birds move across the world in a year. Waterbirds have an annual life cycle where they are in the northern hemisphere, in the far north, in the Arctic uh, areas for their, 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 to breed, to nest and raise their chicks. And then uh, they are moving south again um, as summer starts to finish. Uh, they're using staging sites on their way south. And then they're wintering uh, in Northeast Asia, uh, Southeast Asia and also Australasia. Um, and after the wintering, uh, wintering period, as spring starts in the northern hemisphere, the birds start back again on that migration. And each, each migration, they need to be stopping over at some sites to feed up again, uh, to, to replenish their fat supply, and to importantly be in good condition when they get to the breeding areas. So uh, this is one of, the, one of the nine flyways across the world. Um, these are uh, a ecological and a social construct because when we work on initiatives together, we also have to, to consider um, socially how, how easiest or how to make the, uh, the flyway as small as possible so that we can work more effectively. The Flyway Partnership is an initiative dedicated to protecting migratory waterbirds, their habitat, and the livelihoods of people dependent upon them. The initiative's members include governments, like that of Australia, Japan, and South Korea, as well as organizations and corporates. The partnership was formed uh, uh, 14 years ago. Um, its aim is to conserve migratory waterbirds, internationally important sites, and the ecosystem services these sites provide for local communities. And what makes it quite unique is that it's a voluntary network. Uh, of partners. Um, it's guided by a 10-year strategic plan and we have meetings of partners uh, uh, every two years as long as coronavirus doesn't get in the way. We have 37 partners at the moment. These include national governments, uh, intergovernmental organisations, which are like uh, uh, convention secretariats, um, international NGOs, uh, an international organisation and also one corporate. 
um, a core a component of the work of the Flyway Partnership is developing a Flyway network of sites um, across the Flyway. And these are internationally important sites for, migratory, for, for individual um, migratory waterbird populations. Um, this, the uh, network is now 147 sites, but we estimate there is at least a thousand internationally important sites in the Flyway. So we still have a considerable way to go to, to, to build this network. Um, the primary threat um, to these important sites is habitat loss due to economic development. Um, and you know, we need to be working on that and improving uh, how we do economic development, how we, we continue to main, maintain the biodiversity values of our areas. I mentioned before that 50 million birds travel across the flyway each year, gathering in wetland areas to replenish their energy stocks. That means that the destruction of one of the estimated 1,000 internationally important wetlands can affect these millions of birds. If one country is less dedicated to preserving these wetlands, international biodiversity is affected as a result. And habitat loss is not the only serious problem affecting these birds. The flyway includes the Arctic, which has been going through drastic changes in recent years. Um, what's happening there is the, the Arctic is continuing to warm at more than twice, uh, twice the global mean um, and recent years have been the highest on record for the Arctic. So that's affecting the habitats uh, that are there in the Arctic. So the specific impacts upon migratory water birds, uh, the, there are changes in the arrival and, and departure time from the breeding areas. The higher temperatures are pushing the breeding birds further north and this is creating a mismatch in, in the migration timing and food availability. So the impact of climate change is disrupting the numbers of migratory birds, which can then have impacts on the rest of our ecosystems. This sounds bad, but how can human beings help birds adapt to climate change? One is the, in, the level of integration of national climate change adaptation mechanisms. The second is the extent to which adaptation planning and implementation mechanisms are inclusive of local communities. And thirdly, there's a need for the science, the site-specific predictions of the effect of climate change, because you need to have the, that information when you start sitting down and talking with local communities. Um, so we're now working to collaborating to, uh, to ensure that biodiversity considerations are integrated into national climate change adaptation policies, to developing model community-based landscape management programs to address the impact of climate change, and to identify and promote nature-based mitigation actions for existing and planned infrastructure projects at critical sites. And, and now uh, our, our slogan really needs to be changing from building a network of sites to securing a climate resilient flyway networks of sites. So it's an additional element that we uh, have picked up in our new strategic plan and that we need to be working on. As you can hear, the Flyway Partnership is one of many organizations who are changing their strategies to reflect the increasing importance of climate change. Now, another interesting aspect of the Flyway Partnership is the amount of participation coming from regular people. There's actually a term for this. It's called citizen science. It's when the public participates in scientific research. 
It has become increasingly important in conservation science because it allows for data collection over long time periods in vast geographical areas that just wouldn't be possible otherwise. In this case, volunteers might count the number of waterbirds they see in a specific area, write it down, and provide this data to systematic data collection and monitoring initiatives. Citizen science requires scientists and NGOs to engage and collaborate with the public, which is a big part of what the Flyway Partnership does. Here is Doug Watkins again. Okay, so um, uh, well, quite a bit of the of the monitoring for the for the Flyway Partnership is done by citizen science, mm. uh, particularly with the counting of migratory waterbirds. Mm. So, citizen science uh, play a big role, and the nature of the partnership and and the, the involvement of NGOs is, is a sound way to to bring that to the table. Um, and we also have our, our INGOs working on the tools, getting the tools onto the internet so that they're, they're available to everybody uh, and, and people can access it and, and decision makers can, or can, that information can be used by decision makers in, in planning, uh, planning uh, uh, their conservation efforts for, for migratory waterbirds and for wetland management. So, uh, so our, our challenge still, uh, an ongoing challenge always is, is uh, raising the funds for, 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 uh, for the international NGOs to do that. Mm -hmm. And so that is uh, often uh, a little limiting. Um, um, we're seeing more increasing opportunities to, to link information from one uh, environmental data set to, a, to another purpose. Um, the ASEAN Biodiversity uh, Centre is, is wishing to develop a tool for, for ASEAN countries about uh, about wetlands and oh, particularly coastal wetlands as, as an information base. So those, uh, these tools will help us because it will, uh, it will bring the information that is being collected and be serving up that information in a, in a more systematic way. I mentioned in the beginning that the East Asian Australasian Flyway spans 22 countries. So of course, preserving its rich biodiversity is not something that can be accomplished without multi-stakeholder international collaboration. With its members consisting of both national governments, organizations, and a corporate, the Flyway Partnership is an example of doing exactly that. Here is Doug Watkins again. Um, that is so important in our, in our world that we, we collaborate um, between states and that our communities uh, collaborate, um, you know, people to people. Um, and uh, that's the type of initiative that, that, that we're working in. Um, the, the, the benefits are, are fantastic um, and it's what we need to do to you know, resolve these large world problems. Um, mm -hmm. they, can't be, they can't be solved by individual countries and, and the people of individual countries. And we, we need to just continue to build this uh, collaboration between countries and, and, uh, and for, for migratory waterbirds across the whole flyway. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Evaluator by the Independent Evaluation Unit of the Green Climate Fund. We'll be back with more insights that matter for the evaluation and climate action communities, so stay tuned. <laughs>